Okay, let's get started. Can each of the ladies tell us your name, your husband's name, your children, and their ages, and tell them which country you serve in and how long you've been there. All right, start at this end. My name is Glenna Anderson. My husband is Rodney, and we have been serving in East Asia for four years. Our kids are Ian and Amy. Ian is 18, and he's a freshman at the Master's University studying computer science. And our daughter, Amy, is 16 years old, and she is uh, being schooled at home. And how long have you been there? Four years. Hi, my name is Debbie Christopher. My husband's name is Mark. Uh, We serve in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, We have two children. Micaiah is 19 and a freshman at the Master's University. And Janelle is 22 and a senior this year at the Master's University. Can you tell us which country you serve in and how long you've been there? uh, It's Cape Town, South Africa, and we've been there for 22 years. Okay, Amy. I'm Amy Alvord, and my husband is Bruce, and we are in Ukraine. We've been there for 24 years. And three children. I have Steve, AJ, and Shelby. And they're 21, 18, and 15. Okay, and what are they doing? Steve is a United States Marine. He's floating around in the Pacific right now somewhere. He doesn't even know where. (laughs) He's not allowed to know where. Um, AJ is at Liberty University in Virginia. And Shelby goes to Judson International School in Pasadena. And she's 15, I said, I believe. 10th grade, yes. Great. The next question is Psalm 145.3 and 4 says, Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Verse 7 of the same psalm. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness with shout joyfully of your righteousness. So question. In what ways have you seen the Lord bless and or care for you and your family as you've served him on the field? Well, uh, one thing that the Lord has done for us is to uh, lead us to a church in our country that welcomes us to be there and where we have great opportunities to serve and get to know people. Um, and then we've never lacked for any of our support. I give thanks every day for that, that the Lord is continue to provide for us through faithful people like you who give and pray for us. And then our language acquisition, it's always our top prayer request, and um, the Mandarin language is challenging to learn. Uh, And even though we have ups and downs and discouragements with that, uh, people tell us that for having lived there only four years, we're doing very well, and so um, I don't want to forget to be mindful of where we started and where we are now, and we've seen a lot of growth. And then lastly, just the friendships that my children have been able to make in China. I, it was a big prayer and concern of ours as we left when our kids were 12 and 14, a little bit older than most MKs are when they enter into a new culture, but God was really gracious to provide friends for them in the international community there. And Uh, This year is going to look a little bit different. We go back just with our daughter, and then um, a lot of people that she was friends with have moved away from the city where we live. But I know that I can trust the Lord with this because he's provided for us before, and he'll provide what she needs again. 
Well, like Glenna, we are very grateful for our support base that we have here in the U.S. Um, without that stable support base, we wouldn't be able to go minister in South Africa because we would be concerned you know, about our financial needs. And we've been blessed that we haven't had to uh, be concerned about that. Even when the economy has gone through a very tough time, we have really been blessed by having stable support. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but South Africa is actually the crime capital of the world. And we are very grateful that the Lord has kept us safe. We've had um, crime happen, of course. We've had a car stolen twice. It's been returned twice, though. Yeah. Uh, so we're very grateful for that as well. Mm-hmm. But the Lord has kept us safe, and we choose wisdom wherever we go. We, there's areas we don't travel to and times we don't travel either. But we're grateful for that, and we don't take it for granted that the Lord has indeed kept us safe in our home and out and about. Um, we're also grateful for the fruit of the ministry that we have seen. Uh, right now we have a young man who's actually here at the seminary who has taken over the original church plant that Mark actually planted, and he's here training um, at the seminary, and he's going back and will be helping Mark um, set up a seminary um, to train other men um, to further the ministry over there. So that is a, re- a tremendous blessing to see this young person who um, at first we thought there was no hope with him because he was quite rebellious, young, and now to see just his maturity and his longing to serve the Lord and that's really encouraging. Another encouraging thing is that both our children want to serve the Lord and that they're here um, at the Master's University. And that in itself is a huge blessing. Um, I'm just sorry, I've got a list here. There's so many things. Um, the Lord has also blessed us with good health. I mean, we go through tough times and there's times when we have flu and aches and pains and that type of thing. But um, we are blessed to have had good health while we've been over there as well. Yeah, that's... It's also difficult for me to condense down because there are huge long list of things that, uh, you know, we thought we were going to give up certain things and we're just flabbergasted how much the Lord rains down that we never even, you know, more than your wildest dreams. So um, I think my favorite one uh, is the kind of people that we get to meet. Um, our kids go to Kiev Christian Academy and it's maybe 95% missionary families and I'll just highlight one family we know they're the Cranes and they are from North Carolina he was a medical doctor and for 10 years had his own private practice very respected in the community and everything and his wife is a nurse, and they decided to adopt five children and move to Ukraine and just left all that, and they have five adopted children, and they are helping with um, orphanages in Ukraine. And now that the war has started, they're helping with um, medical help to the front and training doctors and doing uh, seminars. Um, but to me... I just think that's a hero, you know. I think that's a hero. And uh, I love their kids. One of their children is my son's best friend, and he was adopted for a Rus- Russian from a Russian orphanage. And she was telling me the story. They just handed him to them naked. This is your responsibility starting from this second... 
baby? Yeah, an infant. And that sort of <laughs> encapsulizes their attitude about orphans um, and their care for them. And so um, I would love to be doing something like that. And those people are doing that. They just, five kids, she even homeschooled them all, you know. And so, so my kids get to know those kinds of people. To me, that's golden, you know. I just, I'm thrilled that my kids got to grow up meeting these kinds of people. And that's just one of a whole bunch that I could name. Great, thank you. Um, the next question. Missionary life is sometimes difficult. And we know that you as missionaries face difficulties that we may be unaware of. What do you find difficult on the field? What do you do when, or if you're discouraged by these things? Do you have favorite verses from the Bible that you meditate on to encourage you? Well, in the city where I live, there are some major environmental concerns. And um, so that's something that I have to um, deal with in my heart, just my attitude about about living there, and um, I often just remind myself of what is lasting, and that the environmental things that I face are very a temporary situation, uh, that one day I'll have a home in heaven where I'm assuming I'm going to get to choose wherever I want to live, and, <laughs> and there's not going to be anywhere bad, so... Um, I know that I had the same attitude when I lived here in Los Angeles, that there's always better places that you could live. So um, just need to focus on what's permanent and what things are passing. Whenever I'm out of my house, I feel like an outsider. Uh, the name for foreigner in Chinese is kind of like outside person. And no matter how long I live there, I'll never lose that status because of how I look. So that's something that I've had to... And I'm still learning to face without fear, but to embrace the fact that there, is, there are advantages to being an outsider. People are always interested in me and hearing what I'm doing there. And if I blended in a little bit more, maybe I wouldn't have as many opportunities as I have. Um, and then obviously the language barrier that hopefully will get shorter as I go. That's a difficulty that I face. And just the just the general feeling of awkwardness that I have in most social situations <laughs> um, is a challenge to overcome. But a couple of passages that encourage me, one is James chapter 5, the last part. Uh, so James addresses the people that are living. He kind of focuses on the persecutors for a little bit and says some pretty harsh things about them. But then he goes back to addressing the Christians and he tells them, be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So if I'm really thinking about the imminent return of Christ, then those little slights that I feel from people, or you know, which I'm not even under extreme persecution like the people James was writing to, I'm just feeling people staring at me or um, hearing them talk about me a little bit. If I can't even take that, what am I, what's going to happen if real persecution comes? So I need to be working in my own heart just to be patient and to recognize that those are people who have souls and if the Lord were to come back a lot of them would not be with him for all of eternity so just keeping my again keeping my perspective on what is lasting and then 
Uh, Another verse in Colossians that really encourages me, um, it's Paul's prayer for the Colossians. And in the end of it, he says, um, praying that they would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So that part is what I focus on when I'm praying that prayer for myself, is that I wouldn't just be toughing it out and enduring it, but that I would be doing so with joy. And I still have a long way to go in that. I think sometimes it can be very easy to get discouraged when you're kind of out of your comfort zone. And I talked earlier about the crime rate that we have. Well, we have a huge poverty level in South Africa. And I'm the type that wants to help everyone, and you just can't. And that gets me down sometimes when you see someone walking in the street and you know that they're probably not going to have a good meal today or tomorrow or the next week or they don't have a place to sleep. And so that kind of weighs heavy on me. And Marcus said, you can only help one person at a time. And so that he helps me in that perspective. And um, what do I do when I'm discouraged? Fortunately for me, Mark works from home. And so I'll go and knock on his door and ask if he's busy and if I can chat to him. And he'll ask me a few questions if I'm discouraged. Am I just tired? Sometimes as women we get tired and we don't understand why we're feeling down, but it's just fatigue. And, um, you know, especially getting to my age, the premenopausal age, the hormones can also act up. Um, that can also make one feel quite discouraged. Um, Mark always tries to ask me, pinpoint the, where your discouragement is coming from. Um, is it people problems? Did you have a, a disagreement with someone? Is there something that you, you've done wrong? Have you prayed about this situation? Um, and how can we pray? How can we seek to resolve this uh, issue? Um, a couple of verses I really um, go to during these times. Psalm 46, 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. I love the first part. God is our refuge and our strength. It's not me, it's not Mark really, but it's God and his strength. Also, the one that I, quote, I say over to myself a lot when I'm driving on the car, First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So if I'm anxious about something, discouraged, I don't have to carry that all by myself. Isn't that a comfort to us, ladies? We don't have to carry those burdens and we can hand that to the Lord because what he cares for us. He cares about the small things and he cares about the big things in our lives. And sometimes for me that's helpful to remember. It's not just the the big problems that the Lord cares about, but the little things, maybe my attitude or um, maybe a a person who might have a problem with me at the church or just maybe one of my kids is having a hard day or that type of thing and that's discouraged me. The Lord really cares about that. And I need to be open to share that with the Lord and lay my burdens on the Lord as well. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I really, I could go on with verses that I just um, really love. And I think at those times the word just becomes so alive and so real to you um, when you're feeling down and discouraged. And uh, the last one I want to share is just the Lord, Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And uh, that's just a, those verses are just a great comfort to me during those discouraging times. Well, let's see. Uh, what is difficult and what do I do? Uh, I would have to say 
the combination of probably loneliness and uh, depressing surroundings. Uh, I mentioned um, maybe an hour ago that Ukraine is lush green and has electric blue skies and big puffy white clouds, but that's that's maybe two months of the year. (laughs) So we go for sometimes three months without seeing the sun. It's very foggy. Um, winter is maybe nine months of the year and uh, often we come back here in the summer (laughs) when it's nice over there (laughs) so um, that's an issue also the it's all government apartment houses and it's uh, maybe like what would be described here as the projects or something you know low income government housing so it's high rises that you know aren't even finished on the outside you know you can see the the where they put uh cement in between the blocks you know and um it's they're all very old and everything is gray and since it is seasonal and all the leaves fall off just everything is gray the ground is gray the the surroundings are great, the buildings and the sky. And uh, there's can be a lot of trash and graffiti, and it's just, wow, you know. That's a, I mean, every day. <laughs> so that gets me down. I think like some people who maybe move to Oregon and say the weather really affected them, they moved back to California or something. I think that affects Bruce and I both. Um, so I will never buy anything gray, (laughs) probably for the rest of my life. So that tends to get us down if we're not walking in the spirit and also the loneliness, as I said, and, um, what do I do? I, I will be honest and say that unfortunately, sometimes I feel sorry for myself. Sometimes I just brood about it. Uh, but then the Lord brings me back, helps me. Um, I can't really name just one verse on this subject, but I will say that um, Streams in the Desert, which is a basically a commentary by different authors on a verse each day, a daily devotional, and also Indeed, which is a daily devotional by Walk Through the Bible, same thing, a verse and a commentary. Lord has used those to get me through some really hard places and just, uh, you know, refocus my attention. What is important here? What I see when I look out the window, you know, that is nothing. <laughs> okay. um, and just refocuses my attention on what is really going on by me staying there, uh, what Bruce is able to do because I serve him and our children um, what that frees him up to do. And so I would say those two books would be what the Lord has used. Obviously the Word, but those devotionals focus my attention really well on the Word. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Next question. God is trustworthy. Psalm 62.8 says, Trust in Him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Question. Has there been a time in your life when you trusted God in a difficult situation? Tell us about it, and what was the result? Well, one thing that my husband is involved in 
is um, publishing Christian books and having, or translating Christian books, having them legally published where we live. And this is a really uphill battle. It's very expensive. You have to go through tens of thousands of dollars just to get a product that you can show to the publishing company. And then they're all, and they all work under the government censors who can say yes or no, whether this book can be published in China. It's not like here where anybody can self-publish and do things like that. So we have seen him, we have seen the Lord just miraculously get some things through these publishing companies to be printed that we would have never thought could be printed. And so we're trusting, we're trusting him for future titles also that we want to see published. Um, one specific story that I can tell you where we, early on when we were in China, we, um, we're a little bit naive. I think our we were feeling very adventurous going there and being there. And so we weren't always very rational in how we thought through things or did things because we, we just were, all of it was just exciting and an adventure and we had to take risks and we were ready for that. And so we didn't always make really wise decisions. But our son Ian was 14 at the time and he had gone with a friend to visit another friend across town. So we had to take the subway, and then two buses. He had to transfer from the subway to the bus and then again to another bus. But he had done it before, so he asked us if he could go and visit his friend, and we said, sure, just call us when you get there. And he did that. He made it just fine, and so we were confident that he'd be okay coming back as well. We kept kind of checking in. When are you coming home? You should probably leave now so that you wouldn't be out too late. And he left a little bit later than we would have liked. It was around 9 p.m. to make the trip back, and the his friend's father was with him waiting for the bus and he asked him oh how are you going to get home and Ian told him his route and he said oh there's a much easier way if you just get on this bus it'll take you straight to your subway station and you don't have to even get on the subway you'll be right next to your home so Ian called us from that bus telling us he'd already got on this bus that was going to take him a better way so he said oh boy just make sure you don't miss your stop well a few minutes later I just missed my stop so, um, and he said, my phone is just about to run out of battery, so I have to hang up now. So here it is. It had started to rain by this point. It was already about 1030 at night, and our 14-year-old is somewhere in this big city, and we don't know where he is, and we don't know how to get him back home, even if we did know where he was. So he did a very wise thing. He used his final minute of time on his phone to call Mark Borisuk, our partner, who already can, could speak Chinese at that point. And um, come to find out the whole story, he um, asked the bus driver about the stop that he was looking for. The bus driver said, we already passed it. So Ian got off the bus. And at the same time, there was a couple getting off who overheard him ask the question and could tell that he didn't know where to go and what to do. And they stayed with him um, until... He, he called Mark. Mark got their phone number so that his phone being out of battery didn't matter anymore. They were talking directly with Mark, got him in a taxi, headed for our apartment building. And, um, but all of this was unknown to us because Mark was busy just figuring it out. So we were just sitting in our apartment just praying and um, trusting that the Lord would get him back to us safely. And, and he did. And we were motivated by that situation to say, okay, we need to take this a little more seriously and get some address cards made and so that if that happens again, if we're lost, we can 
find a way to get home. So, were they Chinese people? Yes, it was a Chinese couple that didn't speak English, and Ian wow. couldn't speak Chinese, but they just knew that here was a kid that needed some wow. help. And so, yeah, we're thankful that the Lord put them in that spot at that time. So, we know we can trust Him. <laughs> I haven't got enough time to list the, the difficult situations that Lord has helped us with. I can remember one specific one. Um, Mark used to host a family camp um, for the people of our church, just a time where our little congregation could get away from the cares of the world and go to a beautiful campsite and have really good food. I was a cook, that's why I'll say that. And, um, it was really good. Though, huh? um, but I was traveling along and my car was packed full with food and supplies for the camp. Uh, Mark had left a few days earlier than me, so I was, they had the two children with me in the car and I was going down the freeway, and then all of a sudden we had a freak rainstorm. And we lived beside Table Mountain, and that is the area where you get the most rainfall in South Africa. Well, that day, I think, everything came down. And my car, I could not drive through puddles in the car I was driving, otherwise it would cut out. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. Everyone's relying on me coming to camp with all the food and everything. I drove through a puddle, and my car packed out. Not only was it a really bad uh, downpour, but it was also peak traffic time. And I'm thinking, someone is going to come up beside me and they get all behind me and they're going to just take me out. And I was praying, Lord, just help. All of a sudden, there was a tap on my window and a man in a truck and some of his workers said, can we help you? And I don't know where they came from, but it was like instant. I thought, angels, angels, got to be. And... um, they pushed me out of the way, and they said, where are you going to? And I said, look, I've got, to, I've got to keep going. I can't really stop you. And they said, well, why don't you just drive on if your car is starting out, and we will follow you all the way to where you need to go. So that was one thing I can think of. Um, and uh, that my heart was really pounding at that time, and Mark was really concerned because he knew my car was not that reliable at that time. I left home, and it was totally dry, so it wasn't like we had been... Um, unwise in the decision to leave at that time. And then two years ago, Mark had invited two pastors from one of our supporting churches to come over and do a conference. And I was busy helping Mark with the conference and a very stressful time when you're trying to get people that are coming from overseas, getting them situated. And uh, we were fortunate that a a neighbor of ours was actually going to house them. She had an apartment, so we put them up next to us. And then I got the phone call from my mother that my father was very ill, and would I please come and help her? Now, I've got a conference ahead of me, and my duty is to help Mark, but then my mother's called, and I really need to go home. And traveling in South Africa is not always getting onto a plane and flying to the next destination. I had to get in a plane, and I had to fly for three hours and then get in a car and drive for another four hours in a very bad road. Um, our road system in some areas is very bad. The potholes, there are more potholes than road. <laughs> and, um, but I didn't hesitate, and Mark didn't hesitate as well. And he said, just go. You need to really be there with your mom. And I'm so grateful I went because that was the last two weeks of my dad's life. And, but it was a difficult situation, things that I, you never think that would affect you in that type of um, time. And I'm just grateful the Lord actually just helped Mark make the right decision as well. And that the two men that came were very gracious. They didn't even miss me, I don't think. Um, but just grateful that we had planned that my neighbor would actually house the two men. That way um, she could feed them and take care of them. And Mark didn't have that added 
stress with other men coming to the conference. And that's just two things I'd like to share about the way the Lord has really helped. Okay. <clears throat> Time when I trusted God in a difficult situation. Um, the Russian Federation invaded Ukraine while we were there. And uh, two children still at home. And Bruce doesn't have, you know, the category of physical safety, you know, and how high you value high and low. Well, we're polar opposites. And so he's like, what? You know, (laughs) and I'm sitting there. Well, you know, if it's just me, that's one thing. But, you know, the mama bear instinct doesn't die easily. (laughs) Um, you have to slay it. And um, so I'm thinking, okay, my 15-year-old daughter, <sighs> Russian troops parading up and down our street. Uh, we're Americans. What does that mean? You know, um, so uh, paralyzed on the couch uh, after everyone goes to work in school, literally, um, they're saying that uh, tanks could be in Kiev in four hours. You know, they took Crimea, and we didn't know what Putin's plan was. Was he going to start going north? No idea, you know. So, um, had been there before, paralyzed on the couch, <laughs> and knew that, that, you know, the Lord comes to you when you're in that state, and I said, Lord, you're going to have to take this and make it okay because I'm not okay. Um, And I can't fathom how this can be okay. Uh, I love my 15-year-old blue-eyed, blonde-haired daughter. And if you just imagine worst-case scenarios, I'm just not okay with that. (laughs) Um, So you're going to have to help me. And I know you can. You've done it before. So he did. Um, I don't have time to explain how he did that, but, you know, when he says, walk through the shadow of death and fear, fear no evil because you are with me, uh, it's not that the valley of the shadow of death is okay. It's that he's with you. And he might not make it okay for the grandparents or the best friends or the whoever, uh, I mean, he will if they need need that from him, but um, he made it okay for me. And that's miraculous, because I know my own heart. Um, so I didn't do anything to get through it except the Lord. Uh, and he used his word, and he used Dolores Michelson, because she has a Bible memory club, and all the missionary kids who memorize a chapter in the Bible get $25. So I'm busily helping them memorize verses because that's a great excuse. And um, we were in Ephesians 6, and I'll read what Ephesians 6 says, 10 to 14. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, etc. And there's three stand firms just in those four verses. And um, I'm reading that to them every day. And that's what the Lord keeps putting in my brain. Going through just cleaning, making meals, and I just keep hearing, stand firm, stand firm. Uh, I was tempted to try to talk to my husband and get my way. I probably might have been able to do that. Uh, But the Lord just impressed upon me. He's a leader. If communication needs to happen, that you need to do something different, I'm going to tell him. Uh, I'm not the leader. I'm going to submit to what he thinks and not try to sway him. The Lord's bigger than that. If we're supposed to leave, Bruce will get the message, I'm confident. So um, just thankful for the word. And Dolores, I wouldn't have been repeating that chapter every day for those months if she hadn't done that. And the Lord used that. So I'm thankful for that. And it seemed really important somehow There were embassy workers and military families who were evacuating. And somehow Bruce and I felt, this is really important. We need to stay. (laughs) And so I'm thankful that the Lord helped me to do that. Because I'm not up to that. I'm no different from any of you. I'm not up to that. That wasn't me. That was the Lord just sort of carrying me over. (laughs) Thank you so much. To piggyback off that, the last question. We all grow in the Lord as we go through different stages and perhaps trials in our lives. We know that he brings tribulation into our lives to conform us to his likeness. Romans 5, 3, 5 says, And not only this, but only exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. What is the Lord teaching you at this time of your life? It's a very good question. And like Amy said, we're no different than any of you and the things that we're learning and struggle with. And um, God has called our husbands to serve in this particular way, and he calls us to go and support our husbands and um, raise our children. Uh, not, not always in our comfort zone, not only always doing things that we would be super excited to do if it were our own decision. Um, But that being said, he also uh, brings those things into our lives to conform us more to his image and to teach us things that he couldn't teach us any other way. So for me right now, that is um, to trust in the Lord and to not fear man. Um, I have especially in the last year of life in China, I have really struggled with anxiety from big things to small things. And um, as I've been seeking to examine my heart and figure out um, the root of that struggle, uh, I think it is fear of man. I'm just uh, always worried about what other the people around me are thinking of me or saying about me. Um, I'm wanting to live my life in such a way that will make everybody happy and satisfied with me. Um, Where I know what the truth is, is that I 
only need to please one being, and that is God himself. And where I stand in the eyes of people really isn't relevant. So I guess of the groups that um, Brenda was talking about this morning, I'd be more on the side of the Pharisees, just wanting everything to appear good. And there's a certain person that's in my life who I just have this desire for them to be accepting of me and what I'm doing. And um, the the Lord has shown me over the past 20 years that um, it really doesn't matter what that person thinks of you or how they view you or whether they think what you're doing is praiseworthy or not. Um, Stop looking to them for your acceptance, you know. God wants me to look to him alone. Even yesterday I was talking to someone about just different things I'm thinking through and decisions, and she just very graciously looked at me and said, whose standard are you trying to live up to? I said, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, And she said, it's not God's standard. So um, that's just something the Lord is really working on my heart. And then also tying into that is... The question that I've been asking myself lately, am I really being controlled by the love of Christ? Um, If I'm anxious and fearful of man, then the answer is no, I'm not being controlled by the love of Christ. I'm being controlled by the opinions of other people. So God has led me to this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul is um, struggling, or he's wanting to defend himself, but he's not wanting to boast in anything except Christ. And he says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. So he's worried, he's putting his focus on what God knows about him and about the purity of his heart and his motives. Um, We hope that you think the same way of us, but you know what? God knows. God knows our hearts, and he's the only one with the authority to judge based on that. And then later on, he says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So that's what the Lord is teaching me, just to get my eyes off what other people are thinking about me and to really focus on the gospel and that if Christ died for me and has my husband and I as ambassadors to declare that good news to other people, then I don't need to be living in anxiety or fear, but I can trust him. I've reached the one stage in life that I was kind of dreading a few years ago, and that's the time where my children have left home. And Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that there is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. And you kind of put off thinking about when your children are going to leave and they're no longer going to be in your home. And I'm very guilty of that. And suddenly it hit me. We're here on furlough, and our children are both at university, and I'm very grateful for them to be there. But I'm feeling very sorry for myself. (laughs) And uh, it's, it's a new thing, not having to cook for children, just to have to cook for Mark and I. And... um. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if any of you struggled with that, but it's, it's a new thing for me. And I was very involved in my children's lives. My son was very involved at his high school with music and drama. So last year was a very busy year, taking him everywhere and being involved at the school as well. I volunteered in the library. 
And now this year, there was nothing, and there was a void. And um, it, and then when we go back to South Africa next year, we'll be leaving them both here in the States. It's fine while we're here because we're 45 minutes away from where they are, so it's easy to go and visit them during uh, over the um, weekend or have them over for the weekend and to call them. But when I leave next year, that's going to be even harder. And last week I was just cleaning dishes in the kitchen, and all of a sudden the thought hit me, I'm going to be leaving my kids behind in America. And I had a bit of a, an anxious time. And, you know, continually we told not to put our trust in the world, not to put our trust in our children. Um, and one of the first verses I learned when I became a Christian when I was a teenager was a verse I'm sure many of you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And that even applies to times like this when I'm feeling the empty nest syndrome is hitting us and um, Mark is busy studying. And someone said to me, it's not called the empty nest syndrome. It's called the getting to know your husband again time. <laughs> so, because you don't have the children distracting you from that. So I'm going to enjoy that, getting to know Mark again. But it isn't um, an easy time for me right now. Um, and it goes on and it says in that verse, do not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. And it's one of my favorite verses and something I can apply to every area in my life. And I'm going to do that during this time. So if you think, oh, please pray for me. I just I sometimes uh, have those little anxious attacks when I think that my kids are growing up. They're gone. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's one of those phases in our life, as Ecclesiastes tells us. We have, this is my season for my life that I'm having to deal with. So, what is the Lord teaching me at this time of my life? Uh, everything that seems bad, uh, the Lord redeems for good. Even those things that don't seem spiritual. Um, I, I tend to compartmentalize, and we're always told not to do that. But, uh, you know, this tiny little thing that no one even notices it can only be bad. And the Lord shows me later. Uh, so I'm trying to th- see everything is from him. Also, um, if I'm, this hit me just driving home in the car yesterday. If I'm worried about something, that means that it is more important to me than the Lord's glory. And I just never heard it put that way. And there's a whole lot of verses surrounding that could describe that more but just saying it in that one sentence helped me sort of put worry in perspective so that's all i was hoping we'd have time for questions from from you ladies but we're running short of time here so i will close in prayer but thank you so much for sharing each one of your journeys and how we can pray for you and i think we're all in the same boat of trying to please man or the emptiness and just trials in our life i think we can all relate that we're all in the same boat together. But the opportunity, we can pray for you and just think of you and just uh, a blessing to hear what's going on in the mission field along. We're all in the same boat together. And just thank you so much. You are all a blessing. And to know each one of you, even through the missionary conference, it's a little bit of just a blessing to each one of you. So I will close in prayer. Okay, so it's Glenna Anderson. Debbie Christopher, and Amy Alvert. So I will close in prayer. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you and um, just thank you for who you are, Lord, and just through each of these ladies of just the love they have for you and how they want to glorify you. 
and honor you, Lord, and honoring by just obeying their husbands, loving their children, and sharing one another in what area there are, and just the country they are, just to honor you and reach the lost, Lord, for your glory, Lord. Protect each one of them, Lord, and help us to remember that we are to put our eyes on you and not on man, not to worry about the song that we hear, but man's empty praises, Lord, but to focus on you and to figure what's the most, what is the most important thing, and that is you. You are holy, you are mighty, Lord. Be with each one, Lord, especially as they're learning the language, being new for Glenna there. In Asia, Lord, protect her, watch her, Lord, just help her to focus on you, and the language will come in your timing, Lord. Pay for safety for each one in their countries, Lord, of what goes on. And just a blessing to each one, Lord, is they bestow each one why they're there, Lord, that they give glory to you to serve you and not themselves. And an eye-opening to their children to see what's going on in the mission field when they come into the States, Lord, how they can be a blessing and sharing Christ to others, Lord. Give them times of joy, Lord, and even of time when they feel lonely, that you are with them, Lord. You are never... They're never alone, Lord. You have your hand upon them, Lord. Let them know that at times of trial, they can just go to your word and just search your word out, Lord. Pray that those through cards and calls and just encouraging one another, Lord, they can just see your blessings upon them, Lord. Just be with them from anxiety and just to rest in you, Lord, and just put your hand upon them, Lord, and their children, too, and just a blessing. Thank you for these ladies here who come to hear the ladies' panel, get to know each one, Lord, and just thank you for all the time that you put in our in our lives, Lord, to grow each one of us for you. For I ask in your holy, precious name. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you.